Hello, this is Daniel Mounter from the podcast Englishman in Montreal. In episode one of season five, which is going to touch on the places in my motherland, which I feel deserve a mention and which I want to share with my listeners, I'm going to take a look at the North Yorkshire Moors and delve into such places to visit as the preserved railway there plus a lot more if we get time for that. Firstly, why did I choose this particular area? My main reason was that it combines so many of my interests and passions into what could be one single day trip or could be enjoyed for a whole week or longer. There's many particular reasons for me that made this an obvious choice for my first featured place. I should probably begin with a preamble of what is the North Yorkshire Moors area. So these are a very geographically diverse area in the northeast of England um, within pretty easy reach of London as a car drive it's a little of a boring drive and taking the train to York is not perhaps the most exciting way to get to North Yorkshire especially as the the train journey spends most of its time passing through suburban areas and very flat countryside there is very very little to see in the way of natural beauty unless you like plains and lots of sky all the way to York and then the drive from there is, is considerably longer so it's um, it's quite a commute to get there especially if uh, one's only spending a day trip there but for me um, the area around North Yorkshire is absolutely full of different activities that people of all ages and abilities can appreciate. Reason number one is it's the home to the North Yorkshire Moors Preserve Steam Railway, which has been used a lot in recent times for filming, as a lot of the preserve railways are. And I believe it, certain stations have featured on the Harry Potter series, and I've certainly seen in some turn-of-the-century, early 1900 films, and TV series that the stations have been made use of there. So it's been restored to almost a mainline working condition. And the particular appeal why this preserve railway stands out to me is that the uh, the trains, the locomotives really have to work hard for their keep. And it gives you a better sense of um, how it really would have been as much as it can be with a preserved railway where a lot of the equipment is in museum condition, not really uh, in the shabby day-to-day -day filth that a lot of steam trains would have been. But the North Yorkshire Moors Railway is kind of unique in the sense that it's tucked away, but it's also a great way to see the natural beauty of the area, whether it be the the uplands with the gorse or the uh, the valleys which the railway mostly follows, or even getting close to the coastline, 
and appreciating the North Sea coast. Um, you can't actually see that from the railway, but the railway is a good way to to get a first look at the whole area. Not only that, but uh, stopping off at regular stations on the route, you can walk to areas that are more or less unreachable by any other means, by road or by road or by air, except for helicopters, of course. So the the North Yorkshire Moors Railway kind of runs into the heart of the um, the moorland, which is mostly uplands. Fairly wild countryside too. Um, there is plenty of nature there if you look for it, but the majority of the life out there is um, sheep and a few horses. So the um, the North Yorkshire Moors Railway was always a big draw to this area for me. Secondly, although not specific to the North Yorkshire Moors themselves, the um, James Herriot series of books that were written in a semi-autobiographical way by a vet working in the Yorkshire Dales under a pseudonym, no less. They gave me a big love of Yorkshire and of rural life. They bolstered the affection I felt for rural life too from working with my father, albeit in a very different area. And for those who are familiar with um, the James Herriot books, it was very much a um, very much of a pilgrimage to visit the areas near where he would have worked and to experience for myself some of the wild countryside that he describes in the books. Um, it does also give a small insight into into how it would have been working at the turn of the century, turn of last century, in such a wild and rugged place. There's other reasons too. Um, as an avid reader of the National Geographic when I was a kid, especially in the times before I was allowed, or when I was not permitted, I should say, to watch TV, I used to read the National Geographic a lot, and one particularly inspiring article was where they covered the Yorkshire Moors and they featured a woman who had lived outside of the reach of modern technology all her life. Um, her name was Hannah Hawkswell and the National Geographic uh, expose of her life living out of reach of a telephone or any modern conveniences. I don't even believe her cottage had electricity at the beginning of the at the beginning of the article. This uh, really resonated with a lot of people across the world. And as a result, um, this woman, Hannah Hawkswell, received literal bags and bags of handwritten letters and gifts from her fans across the world. And her humility as well in the face of pretty difficult living circumstances was quite a uh, quite a life lesson to me and it resonated personally with me too having been forbidden to access a lot of technology for much of my early life other reasons include um shared interests with a family 
who were also in the EB system at the time. And um, as their son, who was my age, didn't drive, we would often take uh, day trips into the countryside and I would offer my services as chauffeur and at the same time enjoy the pleasure of a day trip with people who were like-minded and enjoyed the same things like the preserved steam railways or the uh, classic bookshops around this area. Um, recently seeing a revamped version of the TV show All Creatures Great and Small also made me uh, think again on those areas, although it's the Yorkshire Dales and not the North Yorkshire Moors specifically. The connection was there. And the All Creatures Great and Small series was based, in fact, on the things I mentioned at the beginning, the James Herriot series of books. And it was... Um, going to this area was really something of a pilgrimage, which I'd thought about many times before. So I think that people who'd seen the movies or read the books or even just find that kind of countryside attractive, they're going to find that it's something of... Um, a check mark in their bucket list if you like and it's one of the easier places to access on a day trip from any of the major cities in Britain so what's the um, what's the particular appeal of Yorkshire though why why specifically is the uh, Yorkshire Moors area one that stands out for me well as well as the connections I've already described um, it's a fantastic place just to observe. The uh, the wild moorland is only tamed by a few signs of humankind. That includes things like the dry stone walls that seem like they were built not only in a previous epoch but in a completely different uh, period of evolution. There's the bucolic charm of um, flocks of sheep still being herded down the, uh, the the stone walls being herded down the streets um, especially up on the fells where the boundaries are even less distinct there is a certain beauty to the moors in summer because they can be quite frightening there's a lot of cold rock and very sparse vegetation in winter I think James Herriot described it looking like a um, a crouching beast where the snow and the folds of the land look like the ribs of a crouching beast. So in summer it becomes a softer, more gentle place and it can be very beautiful with the uh, huge growths of gorse and heather blooming. And it's one of the, um, one of the truly wild places still available and easily accessible to the British people. Another appeal that many people will find in Yorkshire in general, notwithstanding the accent, a lot of the people living up on the moorland are very simple living people, and they can be surprisingly easygoing. They might have a rather dour outlook and seem a little unapproachable, but if they feel that they are not being looked down on, I found the people there to warm up very quickly, whether to tourists or to people from nearer at hand. They're the backbone of 
the village life as well and that includes things like lots of smaller family run shops small family businesses um, bookshops etc which have been quite untouched by the internet they've been shared in photography of course and in filmography uh, plus the tourists passing through have photographed them but a lot of these places have a feel that they've not been touched by the Airbnb phenomenon or uh, spoiled by excess of modern technology. A big appeal for me is how photogenic the North Yorkshire moors are. I've already mentioned the, um, the mostly unspoiled wilderness out there on the moors. It's very timeless. If you can ignore the uh, occasional gliders or um, perhaps wind farms here and there, the wilderness is very untouched out there. It's very timeless, um, and although that can be kind of scary, it's very uncivilized in that sense. It doesn't compare to the same level of wildness you'd find in the north of Canada, for example. But it's very possible to lose oneself completely out there, and the fact that you can distance yourself from people quite easily makes it a big appeal for the less socially inclined among us but it also leads to better photographic opportunities too um, whether that be from the little chocolate box villages or the big open moors there's quite a few challenges for the keen landscape photographers out there and I would suggest also that anyone with a keen interest in photography should seek out the more um, obscure corners of villages and politely ask people if they would mind their picture being taken to record pieces of history which are slowly disappearing as people leave the countryside or they're replaced by more modern inclined people. I've already gone into some detail about the, uh, the North Yorkshire Moors Railway and it's hard to call it a nostalgic experience when what's been recreated is rather rather curated. Um, nostalgic is not really the word because it's, um, the experience isn't really harking back to a bygone time in every sense of the word. It's been sanitized by modern safety precautions. For example, uh, you would not see linesmen on the trains wearing high-vis jackets back in the 1920s but it is extremely easy to to slip back into the sensory experience for example of being on a steam train and being on the train as well especially on a line that's been established for so long it gives you a view of the countryside and the landmarks which isn't really possible on a road trip whether or not you're driving Inevitably, the motorways and even the back roads have kind of carved their way into the landscape, whereas the railway has been there so long it's almost become one with the landscape. That's especially true of the North Yorkshire Moors Railway, where it runs through what technically is a swamp, and that's quite an engineering feat. But the most remarkable thing I noticed when we were riding through there on the train was how hidden the actual railway itself was apart from the smoke and the noise of the train 
really there's not much indication if you're standing nearby that there's a line there at all carrying people through the scenery. So I find it's a very nice way to appreciate a viewpoint of the countryside that you wouldn't otherwise get, not even from, say, a Google Street View car or somebody carrying around a 360-degree camera on a backpack even. So for the uh, the nostalgic experience, um, you also have little sound bites of history and quite relatable things coming from popular movies and popular culture because a lot of these preserved railways are used as film sets. Um, that's why uh, quite often you will find that the, um, there's a piece of scenery that suddenly brings back a, a moment from a film or from a book when one encounters it. I'm moving on fairly quickly to what suggested activities to do in this area. One of the um, most inspiring ways to appreciate this land is actually to drive or use a motorcycle to explore. Because the uh, narrow twisting little lanes go up and down the moors without much respect to engineering or the demands of older vehicles, there's plenty of room for everyone to enjoy exploring by car and to appreciate the countryside and being able to stop off whenever and wherever you want. You can also combine that with camping, say borrowing a camper van or taking advantage of the few bed and breakfasts around there. So it's a good way to pass the time a little more slowly and explore the various villages and the tourist attractions too in this mostly unknown area. It's great if you enjoy rambling, nature walks and even more serious, more um, committed trekking and hiking activities. And you have the pick of the regular beaten trails which are usually well signposted, well monitored and uh, regulated, or you can take some more involved and more challenging terrain and walk up on the high moors, which does carry certain risks, so it's, it's advisable to um, inform yourself what you'll be getting into in these places. Another thing to experience, especially if you're on the road, would be to um, enjoy the old world villages with their tea rooms and their bookstores, second-hand bookstores especially, you can pick up a crazy bargain in some of them, especially with the copies, which are reader copies, and the boutiques and clothing stores where you can often find surprisingly reduced items from a people who don't believe in fast fashion but still buy quality. Further afield, you can explore the coastline and that would include such places as Robin Hood Bay. It's While it's not specifically a particularly good bathing beach, it has a very old world um, seaside town feel to it, and it'd be a great place to start looking for the authentic fish and chips experience if you're not from the UK. Again, with these places, because they're not accessible by highways and major mainline railways 
you tend to find a more authentic experience and a much more laid back attitude to tourists. So if you're um, a tourist that likes everything served up on a plate to you, then this area probably isn't so much for you. But if you're one that likes to go investigating and finding the people, finding what makes a place tick, I'd strongly recommend taking a slow drive over a couple or three days down the Yorkshire East Coast there. The place is rich in history too. There's plenty of museums across the whole of Yorkshire. In the Yorkshire Moors, it's more natural history. If you head further west towards the Midlands, then you will find the industrial backbone of Britain in towns such as Sheffield and even in York. But those um, merit their own episodes. They're not something I would include in the North Yorkshire Moors. As mentioned already, it's very photogenic there. Make sure to bring not only a good camera with a high resolution, but the widest angle lens you can, or at least a phone with a camera that can take panoramic pictures, as you're almost certain to want to do that. For nature lovers, it's great. As I mentioned earlier, there's um, a lot of the moorland is very unspoilt, and the wildlife is gentle it's there's nothing no large carnivores like uh, wolves or um, bears for example but it would be a paradise for watching rarer birds which have uh, escaped to the less populated parts of the country finally um, there's lots of opportunities for plain air painting for those people who love to draw sketch or paint in the open air especially in summer you're never going to be short of inspiration and beautiful scenery opening up in front of you. One experience that I would strongly recommend if you like painting in the open air is to paint a live view of the clouds chasing, chasing across the sky and the shadows chasing one another across the mountains. That's a fantastic experience, which is very difficult to capture in a photograph but I found it's captured perfectly by painting on the spot a la prima. The whole of that area is very picturesque and, and if you want more industrial more urban landscapes then you simply have to head further west into the country. Do I have anything that I would warn visitors to the Yorkshire Moors of? There's a couple of things to carry in mind one of those is the accent, uh, which to somebody who's not familiar with regional accents in the UK might be a little bit of a challenge because they use a lot of expressions which don't have the same significance in other parts of the country and there is a certain accent to everything regardless which part of Yorkshire people are from. Also the area is so vast that you might go expecting say a Midland Yorkshire accent from Sheffield and hear something completely different um, up on the Yorkshire Moors especially where the accents being more isolated and the people still speak much more like their ancestors. For the roads I would warn the people who are faint of heart about driving whether it be simply driving on the other side of the road on the left or challenging roads um, up in the peaks the the roads are very narrow and there's very little 
opportunity for passing. You have to be aware of that if you're climbing or descending a steep hill, that the right of way is always with the person climbing the hill. But if you have to back up, you're going to have to back up a very long way because the the roads and lanes are often bordered by dry stone walls. And there's not that many field entrances that you can escape to let another car pass you. The same thing occurs um, when you're crossing a pack horse bridge. They're not designed to allow two vehicles to pass. There are these little niches incorporated in the bridge design that allow pedestrians to stand out the way and technically in the days of pack horses would have allowed two horses to pass but I can guarantee that you will not fit two normal sized vehicles in there at the same time and somebody is going to have to back down so if you're a nervous driver I would strongly recommend to have somebody more local drive across there if on the other hand though you like a challenge by all means rent a vehicle and drive out across the moors just be aware though that GPS will be necessary because you are likely to lose phone reception in some areas still. The other thing is um, there's quite a lot of hazards in the countryside anywhere in England and just as many in Yorkshire as any other part. In summer there's a proliferation of motorbikes you're likely to have whole uh, convoys of them when chapters take a ride in the countryside. It's also a very popular activity in Yorkshire in general. The uh, other thing to mention about driving is that the drive to get to North Yorkshire is extremely boring and you should count on having some kind of activities to amuse you just to get get through that bit where the driving across the plain of York is extremely mind-numbingly boring if I can say so as somebody who's done it several times. In winter, unless you have a four-wheel drive vehicle and a backup plan and an escape strategy, I'd strongly recommend against driving anywhere up on the moors and reducing a lot how much you drive around the countryside in general. It's a big no-no if you're not experienced with driving in snow and very rapidly changing conditions. The only other thing to really watch out for would be the um, increasing, but still not great, risk of being sucked into a tourist trap. For instance, um, if you go to a small town like uh, Robin Hood Bay on the seaside, don't settle for the first fish and chips in town, and have a look around the uh, the more residential streets, because usually there'll be a chipper there which sells better quality fish and chips and usually for a much lower price instead of being the the trendy highly publicized um, Michelin starred fish and chip restaurant if you want the authentic experience you're best to look where the locals go and that might involve just asking the locals rather than trying to fall into a tourist trap so Probably when you're in a smaller town like that, it's best just to ditch the map and explore as much as you can. Do I have a take-home for the North Yorkshire Moors? Yes, I do. I've been actually uh, inputting it throughout this episode, but I would like to summarise it now. Um, one thing to me to take home, try to meet the locals and appreciate the people who made this very wild part of England habitable and who actually are the backbone of 
the agricultural community. Try to stay at family-run places where you can actually get to know the real people who've lived there, some of them for generations. And just behave in a way that's going to make you friends. Um, there are still plenty of adventurous activities you can do without making a nuisance of yourself as a tourist. Last but not least, um, try to spend several days there because as I mentioned it's, uh, it's within reach for day trip very easily but there are many things that you would not appreciate if you only saw it in daylight or during a flying visit such as uh, waking up in a very small town with minimal street lighting and being able to see the stars at night or go for a walk on the street uh, early in the morning without fear of being hit by a car those little things uh, add up to quite a lot if you like quiet experiences. So try to book into a, a very small bed and breakfast. Make sure to do the research well and at the very least speak to the people locally before traveling there. It's particularly important in, in Yorkshire, I find, because the attitude to tourism is uh, grudging acceptance in some cases. But I think it has a lot to do with how tourists in general have behaved in the past there and people feel that by coming in spending more time there and spending more time to actually get used to them people are more inclined to believe that you are encouraging the local economy I would strongly recommend that based on that too I would say that the North Yorkshire Moors area is one that I would go back to time and time again and each time you're going to find that there's something else to do and experience there so make sure that if you spend any time there or if you plan on doing that in the future if you have any other questions or the idea attracts you uh, feel free to send me a message just reach out and let me know if there's some more info you would like or even if you would like a more in-depth episode done about any of the things I mentioned today. So that's the end of the first episode of season five, my places to visit on my bucket list. The upcoming episode is going to be in the same area, but more specifically the historic city of York. And in that one I'm going to have plenty of material too. But before it's recorded, please feel free to send me your suggestions. Anything you feel should be admitted, omitted, sorry, should also be mentioned. That way I can tailor this part of the podcast more to my listeners than to my own interests. So this has been Daniel Mounter with the podcast Englishman in Montreal. Thank you for listening.